Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot. Connect to more. It's 4 o'clock. Welcome to Tutel and Nuanes, Montana's only statewide sports talk show. Broadcast on 102.9 ESPN Radio for Western Montana and across the state on SWX Television. I like football! Now, sports talk from Montana for Montana. Live from the Kurtz Polaris studio, here is Ryan Tutel and Coulter Nuanez. Hello, Montana. Quarterbacks at every level. The Bills and the Seahawks. Student of the week, Dane Oliver and the Sentinel Spartans in the postseason. And the chick who doesn't know sports, it's a Friday. It's packed like every Friday is. And we are so very happy to be with you on this Friday, letting us escort you down the aisle into your weekend. Thanks so much for letting us do that with you. Be there with you as you go about your day. If you would like to get in touch with two tell nuanas, you could do just that. You call the phone number 361-3688. 361-3688 is the phone number. All guests join us via the Rankish Brothers RV phone line. You can also text that phone line as well, 361-3688. If you would like to go ahead and listen live on the stream, you can go to the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com. You can try and get involved there, 1029ESPN.com. You get into the stream, and the stream is available all the time. Thanks to our friends at Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you would like to, uh, well, let's take a look what we got in the show in today. I'm trying to adjust my headset and do two th- I can't. I can only talk. I can't talk and anything, like fill in the blank. Right. No. See, I can only do two things. No, you, you think you can, but you can't. 
Says the guy that uh, I memorize everything you say and you don't even no. remember what no. I told you 15 You're minutes checked ago. checked out. Uh, all right. Let's take a look at what <laughs> we got in the show, show today. So Quarterbacks. People listen. Quarterbacks everywhere. Uh, Colton's got a great article up on SkylineSportsMT.com about quarterbacks in the big sky, but also uh, it, it extrapolates to really every level of football and the shift that we've seen at the position in general and what's going on with it. So we'll get into that. We also, in about a half an hour from now, our good friend Mike Dugard going to help us out and think about the Seattle Seahawks who are 6 and 2 taking on the 6 and 2 Buffalo Bills in western New York right headed to Buffalo on Sunday morning we'll have that game for you uh, uh, pre-game 9 a.m. on Sunday here on ESPN Radio. Kickoff at 11 Mountain Standard Time for uh, Seattle and Buffalo. Going to be a great game. 69 and sunny in Buffalo tomorrow. That's not what you thought it was no. going to be on November the whatever it is, 7th. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, well, tomorrow or Sunday? Sunday. Or I guess Sunday, yeah, yeah. regardless. Well, it does matter because the game ain't tomorrow. No, I, I know, right. I, I'm just saying <laughs> it, it's just a, it's an anomaly for it to it be is. 70 degrees in Buffalo, New York, anytime after like August. And I do think that benefits fit seattle really i do uh so we'll, we'll get into that we have our match from student of the week out of butte high school mckenzie tutty joins us so we'll get into that she's a, a volleyball player there at butte uh, and then in top of the hour our garden city spotlight featuring none other than dane oliver dane oliver the head coach of the sentinel spartan sentinel opens their postseason tonight in missoula uh missoula county stadium against uh, the the great falls high uh, and uh, we look forward to that football game and talking with Coach Oliver about his team, the exemplary season they had, the bye week, what they did with that, and now as they get ready uh, for Great Falls to come into town. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk with him there. We also, of course, will speak with Carolyn, that she doesn't know sports, who has so very much to tell us, and it's all very enlightening every time. Okay, so there we go. That is the show today. Uh, we start, though, as we do all Fridays, taking a little break, getting our minds right with the Florence Coffee Company. Florence Coffee Company coffee break, it is... November, you start to get some of the hot beverages going. You know what they got over there right now? I got myself here. Pumpkin macchiato. Not just a pumpkin latte, a pumpkin macchiato, people. This is the rage. This is the 2020 pumpkin movement that we're on here. I know Halloween's over. It don't matter. Go over there, get yourself a pumpkin macchiato, get whatever you want. Get yourself an iced coffee like Coulter's got. Get yourself a uh, tea. Get yourself a, a, a huckleberry smoothie. I mean, yeah, no. So it's a great way to start your weekend. Drop by the Florence Coffee Company. Their kiosk by you right now. You might as well go in there, get yourself energized for the weekend. The thing that we don't give them enough credit for, because oh, the, the drinks are delicious. They're essential for of course, some of us. Of course. They pump them out so fast, though, oh, yeah. too. You're not wasting any time. No. We got our little location right there on Palmer Street, right? We're coming up to the office, and I literally know if I'm on my way here and I got 10 minutes to be here, and there's no car in the line. I could be here in seven minutes still because they're going to give me my drink in two minutes. Um, it's nice. I, I feel I feel like a, a bit of a heel when I go uh, on Fridays. To Well, I, I go a lot of times, but on the Fridays when I go, because often the, 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 the folks that are working in there, the baristas and so forth, very personable, very sweet. Mm-hmm. What are you up to today? And I say, well, I'm working. I'm just sitting in my car, mm-hmm. but that is what I'm here. I am actually working, mm-hmm. and I look at them, and they are slanging, man. They're bouncing back and forth, running here and there, pulling shots, heating up coffee, and and it's like, man. I said, I said, you know what? I I know that I said that I'm working, but you're actually working, and I don't want to take away because you sure. are working far harder than I am. See, but 
You've been a barista. Before. I have. Yes, I have. It's fun, man. It's super fun. It's no, super you, fun. you, you get a like, oh, sling yeah. it. You got your little process down, yeah. and you're pouring shots That's in right. there. It's fun, man. No, no, That's it's great. it's. A, yeah, those girls kill it over there. They do, and they 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 move it. So anyway, go have yourself a Florence Coffee Company drink today. All right, uh, Coulter. I guess I got a confession to make. Oh boy. I think that a lot of times the coaches that we listen to, they they spout coach lines, coach speak. But some of the cliches or that, that are maybe assumed to be cliches are so true. They're well, great lessons in life. Many cliches are cliches for that very reason. No question. And I think that um, Bobby Houck's take on the situation at large about the status of the Big Sky football season and if and when it's going to happen, if it's in the spring or the fall or whatever, has been a great one in the fact that he says, we are going to be ready to play whenever we next take the field. And I think that's going to make the Grizz take the field with a vengeance that we haven't seen in close to, if not more than 10 years. I think it's going to be a systematic advantage for them. Jeff Choate is the master of saying, control your own 20 square feet. Control what you can control. Mm-hmm. We can't control the pandemic. You can contribute to helping your fellow man, but you can't control it. No, you There's can't. nothing we can do to make football come back any sooner. So I've taken those two things to heart and really have tried to not be grumbling about the prospects of football and, and what we've lost this fall. Mm-hmm. With the release of the Big Sky schedule, though, I actually had it leaked to me that they were going to release it this week on Monday. Mm-hmm. But I was, you know, sw- you know, can't talk about it, can't release it, whatever. Just let you know so you can have a little blurb ready to go. And it started to hit me. And so I really buckled down and wrote some content this week at Skyline Sports because I've kind of been saving it for when people have some sort of interest. And I know there's always interest in content, but if it's not within your front view yeah it, it, it just it kind of goes to waste but I, when I knew it was going to come I was like okay I've been working on this story on the evolution of quarterback play on all levels of football for a yeah. long time so I'm going to print it this week so I started writing it. I was like man this is so fun I love writing this stuff and then when the schedule came out I was like man so I sat there last night for five hours pounding on the keys breaking down every single game that is on the proposed spring schedule and I came to the realization that this isn't some profound thing but Man, I miss football, man. I wish we had football going on. I know we have we have high schools, and that's been really fun engaging in it. I know the NFL has been great. I've been watching more NFL than I ever have before. Yep. Humans smattering in the FBS college football, even though I just can't stand it. And it really hit me, though, today. Like, I just really wish we had some Bobcat and Grizz football to cover. I wish there was a game this Saturday, man. It would be so, so great. It would be great. Uh, we would be, like, two weeks away from Cat Grizz. Man, and I just think that both these teams would be so good. Oh, man. And I just think that, like, right now we will be talking, like, man, both these teams are, like, 6-1 and one coming into November. What You know, the collision course is set. It will give us so many things to talk about in the community, too, besides all the stuff that we've been mm-hmm. talking about, which I'm so freaking tired of talking about. Imagine if you could just go somewhere and talk about the Grizz instead of the virus well, or the election i think that's what this show is for. no question but uh, but you know how it is i mean we're out and about in the community and there's so many people that we talk to all the time and the grizz the grizz is in a conversation right now hardly at all and I, I just I, it really struck me how much we are missing it and i just i uh, can't wait for it to be back occasionally uh it's hard to sometimes experience an absence you've experienced 
presence, but not necessarily when something's not there. But occasionally you can notice it. Not just so you know. Obviously, everybody misses something sometimes, but uh, it can strike you, and I understand that. And also, look, man, if you wanna if you wanna go, the cup is half or maybe like a third full. Mm-hmm. There is a real chance that Montana does play football on February twenty seventh. I mean, sure, that 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 could happen, and it that's happen. not that far away, honestly. For sure. So uh, now, whether that I don't know, I I'm still I'm still I, trying I, I, to figure I, out if it matters. Like I'm trying to totally. figure out whether I care about the spring season, even if it happens, and even if they play it. You know, I mean, I, 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 of course you do to some extent, but I'm, I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out. Well, I mean, here's my bold prediction. I, I think that there'll be a, a, a little bit more than 50% of the FCS teams that opt in. And so there will be a form of the FCS playoffs, but it's not going to be what it really should be or could be. Mm-hmm. I think at the Big Sky Conference, I think that the West Coast schools are going to have a really hard time playing. I think that uh, some of the schools that have financial challenges right now are going to have a really really hard time putting together a full season. But I do think that, like, Montana's opener at Northern Arizona, I, I think that that game actually has a above 50% chance of happening, even if it's just like an exhibition game or something like that. Because I do think the two schools have enough of a relationship because they both are charter members of the Big Sky. Bobby Houck has his ties to Flagstaff because he coached there once upon a time. It's in a dome. NAU, despite not having that crazy of a fan base, doesn't have that big of financial struggles because they have such a gigantic student body. So, I, you know, maybe it happens. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we will. Well, we will see. But, you know, it ain't like it would have been, obviously, because nothing is. Uh, it's Tutel New Honors, 1029 ESPN Radio. You know what? It's not now like it once was. Quarterbacks. Yes. And offensive football in general. No doubt. You wrote a feature about this very phenomenon, I think kind of centering in on Big Sky Conference quarterback play. Yeah, but but particularly the two Montana schools, but also just Big Sky Conference quarterback play. But it extrapolates larger than that. So give us the thesis here, Coulter. Well, so honestly, the Big Sky Conference is a great microcosmic example of what I was analyzing in this piece and the discussion I want to have with you. Quarterbacks who can move the pocket, throw on the run, run up-tempo offenses, use their legs to create manufactured broken plays. And I'm not talking about pure running quarterbacks. I'm talking about quarterbacks who can run. Think Aaron Rodgers. That has actually been among the most prevalent and among the most consistent keys to success in the big sky for, honestly, close to 40 years. You go back to those great teams that the Idaho Vandals had in the 80s, from Ken Hobart to Doug Nussmeyer. Those guys could move the pocket, throw on the run. They were running a lot of run-and-shoot style concepts. You look at what Portland State was doing with Mouse Davis when they had, um, who's the quarterback? That they, oh, Neil Lomax and you know, some of the great players that they had when they were D2, and then they move up to D1, same sort of deal. And then you look at Dave Dickinson at Montana, John Edwards at Montana, mm-hmm. uh, Jordan Johnson at Montana, mm-hmm. Eastern Washington. Most, Even though they've had some of those prolific passers in the league, the best ones were the guys who could extend plays, like yeah. Vernon Adams, Gage Gubrud. Those are the guys that threw for the most yards, ironically, even though they were the ones that rushed for the most yards as well. Then you look at Montana State. The tradition of running quarterbacks there is as good as anywhere. Both the guys who can move the pocket, like Travis Lulay, Janarius McGee, Dakota Prukop, but then true dual threats, like Prukop, like Troy Anderson. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't even call Troy Anderson a dual threat. He's a single threat, but he's the greatest running quarterback in the history of the league because he ain't a quarterback. No, he's not. But he rushed for 1,500 yards and 21 touchdowns, and he was one of the most explosive players we ever covered. And I think that 
the the perception of okay these guys are great college players it got me thinking about how much football has actually become homogenized and usually homogenization is not a good thing but in this case i do think it is because now when you look across all levels of football no matter where you're talking about montana high school football the big sky conference the pac-12 the big 12 the afc north the afc south you know whatever you want the nfc west whatever division you want to say whatever level of football the priorities of what you want in an elite signal caller have actually become streamlined. And I was thinking about this through the lens of the Miami Dolphins take on the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday. Yes. This is a rematch of one of the most exciting college. I always bag on the college football playoffs, but there's actually been some unbelievably exciting games in the college football playoffs. Absolutely. My whole piece of scrutiny is how hard it is for teams that aren't the Blue Bloods to get in. But once the Blue Bloods are in, feed me Oklahoma, Alabama all freaking day. Well, there's there's a reason it's hard to get in because it's an idiotic setup. <laughs> right. That's why. We'll get to that later in the show because I do have to take you to task again about this whole debate we're having. But that 2017 college football playoff game between Oklahoma and Alabama was Tua Tonga-Vailoa before he got hurt against Kyler Murray when he's at the absolute height of his powers. And that was the moment I had heard about Kyler Murray. We'd watched him a little bit. But in that game... You know about this little fast guy who plays baseball and he's athletic, but you're thinking, okay, but he's five foot eleven. Can he actually play in the NFL? And when you watch that game and you watch him just throwing sixty yard bombs out of his back pocket mm-hmm. and just throwing seventy mile per hour slants across the middle, you're like, oh yeah, he could play quarterback in the NFL. But even take that that matchup, Tua Tagovailoa and Kyler Murray, two mm-hmm. six foot or less quarterbacks mm-hmm. who are mobile and throw rockets, but nowhere close to the traditional NFL quarterback that dominated the landscape for like five decades, pretty mm-hmm. much. And even 10 or 15 years ago, you'd look at that game, you say, this is a matchup between tremendous college players, but there's no way those guys are going to fit in the NFL. They can't fit in an NFL offense. They don't do the things NFL quarterbacks do. They're not tall enough. They're not orthodox enough. We'll have fun watching them as college players. They're going to get washed out. Well, now we've seen this amazing tipping point spearheaded and pioneered sort of by, you actually got to give Drew Brees a little bit of credit for because Drew Brees was one of the first guys. But absolutely then the tipping point came with Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. And now we have this entire influx of quarterbacks. If you name the top 10 quarterbacks in the league, pretty much every single one of them, what do they do so well? They move the pocket. They stretch out plays. Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, all the best guys in the league are athletic dual threat running style quarterbacks. But then you extrapolate that down each level of football. It's the same thing with the Power Five and the FBS. It's the same thing in the Big Sky Conference. It's the same thing in Montana high school football. Why is Sentinel so good? The best runner that Sentinel's got is their quarterback, Camden Sermon. He's leading the team in rushing. It gives you the plus one run game. Dave Oliver talked extensively about what sort of advantage that is. So I just think it's fascinating that the homogenization of the quarterback position has cost for the homogenization of offensive schemes. And again, most of the time I think homogenization is bad by and large in sports, and it's not bad in football because now this gives you the ability to run everything. People talk about the rule changes and how that's made this offensive explosion occur. The rule changes are completely secondary to the concepts that are being run by the athletes that are running them. One reason I think that you're seeing this at the NFL level is, let's say there's two reasons, and there's the obvious reason. The obvious reason is that the NFL... Uh, started to see and value, you know, 
multiple threat, multiple abilities, whether you're an elite runner like Lamar Jackson or just super savvy Mm -hmm. in the pocket and Mm -hmm. can get out and make a play. Uh, so that's that's the one thing is the acceptance, but the other thing is where do where do professional quarterbacks come from? College. Where do college quarterbacks come from? High school. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, if you were a big kid, let's say this at the high school level, a lot of times it's your best athlete that is your quarterback. No question. But it, but but it, then for 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 so long that guy got switched positions went, right went away. Went to college and now you're on the defense. So went to college now you're you're wide receiver. And it's still it not that uncommon because I mean you look at Montana State's roster for example. I think that 30 guys on Montana State's roster play quarterback in high That's school. That's right. But I think that a lot more you're getting a lot more coaches at high levels of college football and then obviously in the NFL who are going. Get, let's get the best athlete we can find to play quarterback. But also, I mean that to play quarterback. You have mm-hmm. to be able to play the position. You can't just be, you know, a great runner, a great mover. You can't be Troy Anderson, for instance, to play quarterback in the NFL. Uh, and and the you have to develop that. Yes. And guys were given the opportunity to develop that. Kyler Murray didn't play DB at Oklahoma. He played quarterback. You know, and 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 also was welcomed with a system that was built for him by his coach who came along with him to Arizona. That's why a guy like Kyler Murray, I think he has a chance to be the first of his kind in the fact that a small athletic quarterback who runs an up-tempo spread offense, Kyler Murray's the only guy that I can think of that has gotten to experience that at a high level on all levels of football. The Kansas City Chiefs, Andrew Reid, has catered a lot of his offense to what Patrick Mahomes can do. But Kyler Murray truly has run the Texas Tech-style spread since he was a sophomore in high school in Allen, Texas. He's been running the same system since he was 15 years old. And he's the only player, really, in NFL history that then ran that system for Lincoln Riley. Mm-hmm. First first Cliff Kingsbury at... at um, at Texas or at Texas. No, 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 no. Cobbers not transfer. No, no. Sorry, I get them all mixed yeah, up. Yeah, Baker yeah. Mayfield. Baker was there with Patrick Cliff. Mahomes. Cliff was saying he loved right, right. Kyler. And Patrick Mahomes yeah. was also yeah, right, right, right. Okay, I got you. I got you. Regardless, under Kyler Murray runs it under Lincoln Riley, right. and then they hire Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona because they know they're going to draft Kyler Murray, so he gets to run a pretty similar system to what he ran at Oklahoma. That's one of a kind. Obviously, the Seahawks are showing what Russell Wilson can do now. Russell Wilson has multiple iterations of quarterback play, though, during his NFL career, and he deserves so much credit for that because he's so smart. Very few guys can run a pro-style system, a West Coast system, a ground-and-pound, ball-control-style system, and then, you know, you're 10 to be like, well, let's, let's sling it. Let's let it rip. <laughs> let me ask you this, though, because this is my thought about quarterback right now. It's 2 Tell New Honors, 102.9 ESPN Radio. Um, I think that anybody can be a great quarterback right now and anybody let's talk about why that is well i think there's multiple different factors that have gone into it that were never accepted before i think the evolution of technology it makes it so the quarterback but also the offensive line specifically the center can make pass protection calls for so long in the nfl I led my article with that. The moment that Lawrence Taylor broke Joe Theismann's leg on Monday Night Football was the moment that teams started to prioritize the left tackle. And that's the moment that teams started to prioritize the making of the pocket. And that's where the narrative of you have to be 6'3 came from because you have to be able to drop into the pocket and see over the offensive line. Well, now, because you can have this very, very intricate and detailed pass protection, 
Teams don't make the little horseshoe pocket like they right. used to. The protections slide. Shift, the offensive yeah. linemen are so athletic now. And so now it doesn't matter if Kyler Murray can see over the right guard. He never's going to have to. Yeah. He just rolls out to the side. Yeah, so all of that is true. But I guess my point is is Tom Brady, mm-hmm. Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. if their you know, doppelganger rolls through in the year 2035, you know what they're going to be? Hall of Fame quarterbacks sitting Absolutely. back there, not moving, uh, you know, but two yards, right. manipulating the pocket, but also manipulating the defense with their eyes and their savvy and their accuracy and all of those things. For sure. And that is still absolutely possible. I still, you know, maintain he, he isn't. OK, he's proven that now. But Josh Rosen didn't make it in the NFL, not because he's not a runner. You know, sure. or even because he's not a thrower, he just he just for whatever reason wasn't cut out to play the position, and maybe it was some of it was about the landing places that he ended up mm-hmm. in the situations, whatever. Now there's plenty of you're running quarterbacks who couldn't do that too, but the it used to be that if you were a running quarterback, the belief was that you couldn't throw, like that, right. like all you can do right. is right. run. And so that's not good enough. Like, how are you going to sit back there and learn to be a pocket passer, right? And, and that's what the, is so ridiculous about this modern era is that Patrick Mahomes is, I wouldn't consider him an elite runner, but he's definitely an above average to adequate runner mm-hmm. who has one of the greatest arms in the history of the NFL. No but Tyler, Kyler Murray is one of the greatest runners in the history of the league who also has one of the best arms who's that we've also, ever seen. Who also slings. Absolutely. And, and Russell that, Wilson, too. And by the way, Kyler Murray... That doesn't mean, though he can do those things well, he's got a great advantage. doesn't mean he's going to be, or or it was no guarantee that he would be a great quarterback. Right. And he's still got a lot of work to do to be a, a great quarterback, but you can see it coming. But there's so much that goes into it, but all of it is made easier for both for you as a player and for the offense in general if you have the level of skill he has at those two items, moving his feet and and moving his arm, throwing the ball. So it it's it is it's a it's a new sort of era in that way. But it isn't to me a shift out. It's an expansion. Sure, you know we're not moving on from Drew Brees. No, we are just like we're adding this group of guys who can also do it. Trevor Lawrence, by the way, who's a great runner too. I mean, I saw sure. him put his yeah, foot in the ground, athlete. take it to the house for sure. But he's a, I mean, he's the prototype, right? Six five, sitting back there, just piping balls down the field. For sure. Uh, this is what my this was my number one argument for why I thought Justin Herbert could be good though, because mm. Justin Herbert is athletic. He can extend the pocket. Oh, certainly. he he he's he may be even underrated for his. Oh, absolutely. His I mean, he ran ability. a four six and change yeah, at yeah, the combine. Yeah. I mean, he's as fast, if not faster, than Josh Allen, and he's almost just as big. He's taller. Yeah. And he's got a gun. He doesn't have quite an arm like Josh Allen, but yeah. I mean, I, but the but the it's not the athleticism though that made me argue for Herbert. Though it's the other side of the thing. Peyton Manning was one of the greatest of all time because of the pictures that exist in his head. He truly had the photographic memory. Mm-hmm. So when he sees the picture, he can pick the next picture. And when the picture starts to develop, he knows exactly where to go with the ball. Yeah, it's, he's impervious to making mistakes. Yeah, just about. And, and so is Tom Brady. And that is still going to be the absolute number one advantage you could ever have playing quarterback. I just don't know if we're ever going to see again, though, a generation of guys that get the chance to be entrenched as starters for such a long period of time so then that the pictures can become so prevalent. Mm-hmm. Like This last generation, which is on the tail end of Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees, they're, all, they're almost on their way out now. 
that's a group of half a dozen guys who got to be starting quarterbacks in the NFL for 20 yeah, years. Yeah. I don't know if that's ever going to happen again. Yeah. Because and, and that's credit to all those guys. But by the time you get to that point, the encyclopedia within – I mean, think of the brain Tom Brady has. No doubt. You, there is no coverage you can throw at him well, that he doesn't know. You know, that's, that's the thing that I've said about football forever is like – we say these guys, you know, they play two seasons and you go, ah, he's no good. Right. But it's, it's 30 games. That's like a third of a basketball season. Right. Like if you have a rookie and he rolls out there and, and you know, isn't what you thought he would be with a third overall pick in the NBA in, in, in December, do you go, well, we're moving on from this guy. Right. You know, but I mean, that is the nature of football too. I understand that. You're not good. You don't get to play a thousand games in your career. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're lucky, you play a hundred. Mm-hmm. And if you're these guys, mm-hmm. you play several hundred. Sure. But. Um, you know, you, you th- those reps, every rep creates a bigger distance between you and the next guy who didn't get it in football, bigger than all the other sports because of that reason. I think the one last thing that's worth noting, too, though, is I think that one of the things that has benefited this new generation of quarterbacks, and we'll call Russell Wilson the old guy of it, and then all these other guys that are younger than him, has been almost every single one of them was a at the very least, exceptional high school baseball player, and at the very most, one of the great baseball player, one of the great baseball prospects right. in the country. Kyler Murray was number one pick in baseball too. Well, he's a first round, first pick. round yeah. pick. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Russell Wilson was a first round pick in baseball, no, right? I Maybe I don't know if he's first, but he definitely. I mean, was, Russell Wilson yeah. spent multiple years playing in the minor leagues. Like Russell Wilson had a legitimate chance of going profe- yeah. playing a pr- professional I mean, baseball. His rights are still owned in the uh, in major league. Lamar Jackson baseball. was a great high school baseball yeah. player. Yeah. Deshaun Watson played high school baseball. Justin. Fields was a great baseball player. That to me is the other thing is you can move the pass protection now, you can move the pocket now, but also the arm angles that these guys can throw at. I mean, how often does Russell Wilson throw and you're like, man, that looks exactly like a shortstop? What about Ben DiNucci? Great arm angles. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's- There's a difference between changing your arm slot and completely <laughs> panicking and just pinching the pumpkin until it falls out of, uh, out of bounds. It's Tito Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Good chat. Take a quick break. On the other side, Mike Dugar joins us, uh, covers the Seahawks for The Athletic, joins us every Friday. We got 12 minutes for you, Seahawks fans, 12 for the 12s. Next. What are your business challenges for 2021? Supporting an increased remote workforce? Securing and managing your expanding corporate network? Communicating with your customers, employees, and partners? Whatever your challenges and priorities for 2021, Blackfoot Communications knows it all starts with a plan. We are here to help you assess, design, implement, and support your most critical technology infrastructure initiatives. Call Blackfoot at 866-541-5000 or email business at blackfoot.com to learn how we can set you up for success in 2021 and beyond. Blackfoot. Connect to more. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Across the 406, good to be with you at Gus Tutel. On Twitter, that's yours truly at 1029 ESPN and at Skyline Sports MT as well. It is time now to 
talk a little Seahawks football. Seattle traveling to New York to take on the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Seattle 6-1, and one, Buffalo 6-2, and two, and we'll notice we do each and every Friday. We welcome in on the Rankish Brothers RV phone line, Mike Dugar from The Athletic, the beat writer for uh, the Seattle Seahawks for The Athletic, joins us. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for being here once again. As you look at this matchup between the Seahawks and the Buffalo Bills, two very good teams, obviously 12-3 and three between the two of them in aggregate. I see a lot of people like the matchup here and maybe favoring Seattle a little bit. Just broadly speaking, what do you think about as you look at the Buffalo Bills matchup against the, the Seattle Seahawks? Um, there's, there's a couple of things. Uh, two in particular. Seattle's really good at forcing turnovers, um, and I think they do it at like the fifth highest rate in the NFL. And the uh, Bills have a quarterback with a tendency to commit them. It, he does it at a fairly high rate, too, but I don't even think that's his issue as, as – as much as like when they happen and how they happen, it's just because he either a just does something ridiculous like tries to throw it on a run play, which he's done um, this year, or just like randomly pitches it to someone because he's scrambling, which is also poor, or he's just inaccurate. Uh, right? Like he's gotten better since his rookie year, which was atrocious. Um, but I, I look at that as like maybe the difference maker, maybe because you know Russ doesn't really make a lot of mistakes. Um, so if it, if it comes to a shootout with both offenses on fire the quarterback who makes, you know, the mistake for their team will probably be a big factor. Um, the other thing I think about is uh, third downs. Josh is really good on third downs. Buffalo has the highest conversion rate on that down in the league this year. Um, Seattle was among the worst in the league on third down on defense, I think in the bottom third of the league. Um, so something's got to give there. And maybe Jamal Adams, you know, gives Seattle a boost. Uh, in that regard, but I feel like that particular down is going to be huge uh, for this for this matchup as well. The Josh Allen factor is such an interesting one because I think that the first couple games of the year, you know, Buffalo gets off to this 4-0 start. They score 30 points each week, and Josh Allen's got to roll. But then we've seen the volatility. We even saw start to creep in when they were playing the Rams, and they had to hang on for a 35-32 win. The Bills did when they were up pretty significantly, but what's the bead on the Seattle side of things when it comes to Josh Allen? Because it does seem like if he gets rolling, he is absolutely the key to victory for the Buffalo Bills, but if you get him to start being erratic, it's absolutely the key to defeating the Buffalo Bills as well. I mean, I think Josh is in a similar category as like a Jared Goff or uh, even a Jimmy G, healthy one, a Kirk Cousins. Um, there's someone else uh, I'm missing here, but it, the the basic concept is if you get this dude thinking a lot and hit him in the face, he'll mess up. That's just kind of the general uh, rule. They're like a Mitch Trubisky's in that same like vein. Even Nick Foles to some extent. Ryan Fitzpatrick not as much. That's a lot of um, hate for he... Josh Allen right there, Mike. <laughs> my, my gosh, I mean you're just giving him with all the worst players here. <laughs> no, but I, I think there's a, there's a theme here with these guys. It's they potentially have a high floor. Um, like Ryan Fitzpatrick's floor was so high, he got a nickname, right? And like Jared Goff's floor was so high, he was able to go to the Super Bowl. Same with Jimmy G. Like, so the floor is relatively decent. I think Goff's is probably the highest of all the people I named, maybe Kirk Cousins. Um, but their floor is really low. And with, when their floors get low, it's because they get hit in the face and have to start thinking. Um, I'll never forget the, the status of them, Pro Football Focus, I think it was from 2019, where it's, uh, it was something to the effect of, Jared Goff was like had the worst pass rating in the league when he had to go to his second read, um, and while Josh isn't like that bad, it it it's similar. And that like once some quarterbacks, when you get them thinking, 
uh, it's really hard for them to just be as good as they uh, are supposed to be. That's what separates, you know, I think some of the elite quarterbacks is you, know, you have to process information at a high rate. And you need to do it in, in high stressful situations, and you have to still perform. You have to make the throws, right? That's why like guys' pro days and stuff aren't very informative sometimes. They're standing there in shorts, and super calm, throwing to the dudes they've known for the past four years. No, man, get hit in the face by a dude who don't like you, you know, at these high speeds, and then let's see if you can make uh, these all these throws. And all the guys I named have that that same thing in common. You start hitting them and getting them to think, and they don't get anywhere close to their ceiling. I think Josh is rightfully in that group. What maybe separates him is that he can run way better than everyone I just. Uh, when you talk about the Seattle Seahawks defense, by the way, Mike Dugar joining us from The Athletic covers the Seahawks for The Athletic. You can read his stuff on The Athletic. Follow him at Mike Dugar and listen to the Seahawks man-to-man podcast, which he hosts. Uh, the return of Joel, Jamal Adams, which you cited, uh, is obviously huge for this team. They also welcome Carlos Dunlap to try and help out at least a little bit with something like a pass rush, trying to get after a quarterback. In general, obviously, we'll see it first and foremost in this game, but how much does that shift the dynamic to you of, of the Seahawks defensively, those two guys? I think it's a lot, and for two specific reasons. Jamal is really helpful on third downs, um, I, I believe. I really, When I go back and look at this team, before, like pre-Jamal, post-Jamal, it, the, the impact is just so obvious. And I think Bobby illustrated it really well against the Niners, actually. Like, both of his sacks are on third down, right? Yeah. And it's just a matter of, like, Bobby deciding that he was going to be better than everyone else on that particular play. And it gets his defense off the field. Jamal has the capability of doing that as well. Sometimes the play call works. Sometimes it doesn't. But sometimes it's a matter of, like, look, I'm wearing 33. I'm better than everyone else on the field right now. I'm going to go make a play. Right? And they, they lack that in weeks four, five, uh, seven, and, and, and eight. I think we're in nine now. Um, we are in nine, yes. Like, yeah, they lack that for the most part, maybe with the exception of Bobby against the Niners, and, and just that, like, third downs are really, really, really critical, and you really just need playmakers at the end of the day. That's just really what it, what it comes down to, whether that's your pass rusher, whether that's your big your corner who can man up, or whether that's your, you know, your roaming, like, safety who can do a little bit of everything. Teams have them, and I think that's why guys get paid, is because it's not just because they, they make plays. They make them on critical downs, like, if you notice a lot of guys who play man, like when do teams play man? Third down, third and long. When do pass rushers really get to feast? Third and longs against left tackles. Um, so, I mean, I think, and where do quarterbacks, you know, succeed when they're making those high-pressure throws on, on situations where they have to throw. So I think that's where Jamal has an impact, where Carlos Dunlap will have an impact uh, on Sunday, I believe, is just, A, he'll be starting probably because Vincent Mayoa is out with an ankle injury. Uh, and B, he's just a guy who can beat the guy in front of him as well. Um, and the Seahawks, as you guys know, don't really have a ton of dudes who do that up front. Mm-hmm. Seattle doesn't play a lot of cover three like it would like to because that requires your front four guys to get the pressure. Like That's like kind of the general theme, the fundamental aspect of the cover three scheme that Pete Carroll likes to run. Front four guys, get the pressure, back end guys, take away the deep ball, and then we just funnel everything to the middle. Well, if you're not getting any pressure with the front four guys, then none of that really works. Rather than your defense is up bad. So if Carlos is at least the one guy who can consistently beat the dude in front of him, okay, I think then I think we got something here. I think Jay Reed should probably have a good day too against Buffalo's backup center. I think I, don't, I think their guy Mitch Morse is a I think he has a concussion. Um, so if Jay Reed's able to feast too, that that should be good for the defense. What's Chris Carson's status for this game? Oh, Chris is out. Yep. He's out again. It sucks, man. It, it Chris is he's trying. 
Um, it, it, it doesn't sound like he had a setback, um, but what did, what did happen is Pete told us all week that they would evaluate Chris on Friday, i.e. they would probably just see him run and cut and stuff, and then determine Saturday, like, oh, okay, like you're good or you're not good. Chris didn't even get to do the running part. Like, they mm-hmm. just decided, no, you're not, you're not, you're not good. So that that's 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 actually kind of troubling. And I don't know if Pete means to do this intentionally, but he describes Chris's foot as sore, and that's exactly how he described Philip Dorsett's foot. And Philip Dorsett just had surgery on Tuesday. Now I I, I would love clarification from Pete because you know how he gets with his words. He has like a few he just uses all the time with injuries. So I would hope that Chris's foot doesn't require surgery in that same way, but right now it just doesn't sound very good. This is fascinating to me. Russell Wilson's been in the league for a decade. He's never played in Buffalo. Is that a factor? Uh, no, for for a couple reasons. He's at least been there. Uh, he said he was on a pre-draft visit to Buffalo, actually. I don't know how they messed that up. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, they, I don't know who their quarterback was in 2011. Hey, man, every team in the league yeah. messed up on, on that's Russ, right. that's you right. know? So that's what it is. Yeah, that that's true. Um, so he's been there. And Russell, before he goes to every stadium, he goes to Google Images and, like, looks at all the different angles of the stadium that he could find and, like, visualizes himself in the building. Um, I learned that he did that when I was talking to him about going to Jacksonville for the first time in 2017. And then when they, they always do a walkthrough the day before the game anyway. Um, so, like, Russell's just so big on visualization that I don't think any of that uh, re- really matters. Like once he once he gets in the zone, he's he's fine. I think the only stadium he really has trouble in is uh, Lambeau. Actually, I think he historically is really bad um, at Lambeau. Like the offense doesn't really score many points. They always lose. Um, yeah, I think he he moved it well in the playoffs. But yeah, I think if I'm worried about the venue, uh, that would really be it. Uh, side note: I watched the last highlights of the last two times they played Buffalo. Man, he was moving a lot faster in 2012 in that game that was in Toronto. Young Russ had some legs now. Man, I remember that game when he when they were in the gray the the wolf gray unis that he was just he was just going nuts in that football game. Yeah, and he could he could really I, I can't overstate like he his running ability was really 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 key. Uh, in that in that game and many others, uh, like because it wasn't just that he could scramble like he's doing now, like he could legitimately take an angle and beat a DB yes. to the spot. Right. Uh, you know, right. like he's not really he's not really doing that now. He's no. not juking anybody. Like he can get upfield and slide and protect himself, which is which is good. Uh, but before, like I, there's a couple plays in there where he like beats the he beats safeties to the pylon. That, right. What? I haven't seen Russ do that in a while. Uh, Mike Dugard joining us uh, from The Athletic, talking about the Seattle Seahawks. They play in Buffalo, 11 o'clock kickoff, Mountain Standard Time, pregame beginning at 9 o'clock here on ESPN Radio. We talked a lot about the Seahawks defense versus the Buffalo offense, but everybody, I mean, the Seattle offense, we know how prolific they've been and, and, and what they do well. Uh, but this Buffalo defense, at least personnel-wise, very high-end defense to me. I think they've been actually underperforming a little bit in terms of what they've actually done on the field, but this is a good team, and if you're going to say, you know, maybe there's a team that can jump up, and if they had a good day, maybe slow down the Seahawks offense, this might be a good bet with the Buffalo Bills. What do you think? Yeah, they're definitely underperforming. I thought their secondary would be much better. I think they're like yeah. mm, 22nd and past DVOA, I think, or something like that. The run defense is underperforming as well, though I think they lost some defensive tackles to COVID opt-outs, if I'm not mistaken. So 
um, that might have uh, some type of impact. But yeah, their defense in general just isn't playing well. It's been banged up a little bit. Um, they haven't been able to find like a slot guy. That's not that's hasn't been very helpful. Their pass rush is just kind of okay. Um, they got a couple guys with three sacks, a couple guys with two, including former Seahawk Quentin Jefferson. So uh, yeah, it's definitely definitely underperforming. Um, they're getting run on a lot. <laughs> they're like, and I think that the Chiefs example from earlier this year is probably like the most helpful in projecting how they play Seattle. What they did against Kansas City was Kansas City effectively had established the pass, and I know that's a really interesting concept. Basically, Kansas they played Kansas City as if Kansas City was a pass first offense and just dropped back a lot. Use a lot of DBs. We're trying to stop the pass, so then Kansas City ran for like 200 yards. And Mahomes threw for like 225. So it, it didn't work all around. But I do think that's what you're going to see from teams when they play Seattle more often. It's like, okay, we have to, they've established the Russell now. Like they're not a Chris Carson, Marshawn Lynch, grind it down our face team. They are going to throw, so we should act accordingly. Problem is, you still got to be able to stop the run here. So I, I'm curious to see how Buffalo plays that because they they got hit hard by Kansas City. I think. Clyder with the Larry ran for like a buck sixty. That's ridiculous. So I, I I could see the Seahawks having similar success on the ground. The Seahawks so far during their six and one start, a win against Atlanta. Okay, Atlanta's not as good as maybe th- some people thought they were going to be coming into the year. They win against the Patriots. Okay, Patriots are kind of fading. Cowboys, they ain't any good. Dolphins, expected. Vikings, expected. Had to hang on to get it. Lost to the Cardinals. Last week they beat a decimated 49ers team. Is this the biggest test the Seattle Seahawks have faced so far this season? Um, I, I would I would say yes. Although, like that Dallas team, the defense at the time, like you look at the teams at the time, the Dallas team at the time was like fine. Like they were going to be really hard to stop. Like in hindsight, it's really impressive they actually beat Dallas, and you know because their their defense at the time, Seattle's was really bad, and uh, Dallas's offense was on fire. Yeah, they were. It was ridiculous. I, I think at the time, New England was a like serviceable team, uh, but I do think um, not having Quandre Diggs after nine plays really helped. Like, you look at the numbers now, Cam's never played that well again this season. Julian Edelman has never played anything close to that, and it's because the middle of the field was wide open without uh, Quandre Diggs. Uh, but yeah, I think this is probably the the toughest challenge. I don't know, that Arizona team is good too, man. Patrick Peterson, uh, Buda Baker, um, it's like their defensive coordinator. He really plays well against, you know, shoddy in the couple matchups that they've had. Um, so this is definitely a tough test. It's hard for me to say it's the toughest. I mean, Josh Allen's a turnover prone quarterback. And like I said, this is another bad defense, uh, that they're coming against as well. And they get, uh, Jamal Adams back. So I think it's right up there with maybe the, the, the Arizona game. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question Arizona is the toughest team, but of course that's the one game they did lose. So there you go. We'll see where they're at with Buffalo. What's I, I I can based on this conversation we've had, I have a feeling about what you're going to say. But go ahead, serve it up for us. There, uh, Mike, give us the final on this one. Uh, I wrote this morning on the Athletic. I think I said 33 to 28. I, I think I think I think Buffalo is going to score. Uh, um, until Seattle has its full secondary back with Shaquille Quinton. Uh, Jamal and Quandre, I think teams are going to score. I just think they will, as long as they're not the Niners with Jimmy G, because that team is bad. Um, so I say 33-28. I think really what it comes down to is Josh Allen probably goofing something up, whether it's like a pick or a fumble or, I don't know, bad throw. It's just I, I think it's going to require perfection 
on the part of the Buffalo offense in order to keep up with Seattle's offense. And the one thing I've seen from Josh Allen is that he ain't perfect. <laughs> and I'm not sure he can. he's capable of being that against a team that has the playmakers as Seattle does. Um, so, yeah, I'll take the Seahawks. Mike, appreciate it. Are you watching this game in Seattle now? Are you going to be in Quest or, you gonna, or CenturyLink? Are you, gonna, are you going to New York? What are you doing? Uh, I am not going to New York, but I do have something special planned for watching the game. Okay. I, wanna, I, okay. I won't say now, but I... But I do. I will not just be on my couch. All right, couch. all right. I'm looking forward to that. We'll fill you'll fill us in on that cliffhanger next week. But hey, man, we appreciate it always. You coming in here, giving us the insight and uh, helping set us up for uh, Seahawks football on Sunday. Appreciate it. All right, man. Thank you guys for having me, Mike Dugar from the Athletic Boys and Girls. Read his stuff at the Athletic again. Follow him at Mike Dugar. Great follow. Great insight there for Seahawks fans. And uh, uh, you can also listen to the Seahawks man-to-man podcast. You really want to get into uh, detail on all, all this stuff because he, as you can tell, spends a ton of time on it. Pretty interesting. How, how about that? I did not know. This is new information, man, about Russell Wilson and using, like, Google Maps to try and, like, put himself in the venue when he hasn't been there before. Pretty interesting. So corny. So Russell Wilson. Oh, my goodness. Good for him. You you know what's corny? You and those comments about the guy going to work, doing his job. Quick break on the other side. McKenzie Tutty is our student of the week. Got a butte high next. Coulter, obviously, if people are traveling, you got to have them stay somewhere else, not with you. That's true even when COVID isn't going on, and especially now. So you send them out to the Wingate. We know that. That's obvious. What you might not know is about all the meeting space they have out there, convention space, and even personal office space because God knows I can't stand being with you any much longer. I'm going out there. I'm going to lock up my own personal office at the Wingate. You can do the same thing. If you need a business space, whether it's for yourself personally or you're just tired of doing Zoom meetings, you just want to see other humans, but you want to be socially distanced, the Wingate has great business meeting rooms. You can space out. They have all the hookups and technology you're going to need for any sort of meeting or presentation. Or if you're like Ryan and you just want to have a place where you can work in peace and quiet, the Wingate Inn also a great option for those that live and work around Western Montana and the city of Missoula. If you have anybody coming through town or you want to get your kids out of the house, Wingate also has awesome rooms, great business rates. The pool is back open. They've done a great job of making sure that's going be safe for you and your family. The Wingate Inn, located in Missoula, it's an excellent option for business travelers, local business people, or anybody coming through the city of Missoula. Let the Wingate Inn make you feel at home even when you're not. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Time for our Mattress Firm Student of the Week, Kinsey Tutty out of Butte High School. Good to be with you on this very fine Friday afternoon. Thanks for letting us ride along with you into your weekend at Gus Tutel at 1029 ESPN and at Skyline Sports MT. Those are your relevant Twitter handles. Well, happy to welcome in our Mattress Firm Student of the Week, a senior out of Butte High School, McKinsey Tutty. She's a volleyball player there. Hi, McKinsey. Thanks so much for being with us. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. And uh, we're excited to talk to you this week. Plenty to uh, go through. You uh, have played 
volleyball for four years at Butte, and had three different coaches in the process. But this senior year that you just had, your head coach Shane Jorgensen came in, and uh, and you guys had a wonderful season, really enjoyed it, and kind of set the stage for, for the future of Butte volleyball, right? Yeah, he was good. We We all got along with him really well, and he's going to be good for the future years to come. How did you get into volleyball early on? Um, well, I started in the fifth grade just with um, elementary school. And my aunt, Maureen Boyle, is the head coach at Carroll. So I kind of have a background within the family and just kind of gotten into that. And then having her help, be able to help me along the way was also a big boost. Volleyball is so fun because of the crowd, the atmosphere, everybody's getting all into it. But this year, not the same probably because you didn't have as many fans in the stands. What was that like, playing in front of maybe a little bit more empty gyms, but also still getting a chance to play and finish your season? Yeah, we were lucky to be able to have the opportunity to be able to even play this year, but the empty stands were definitely a big change. We were lucky to be able to have our parents there, and they did a pretty good job of giving us some sort of atmosphere, and you had to bring a lot of your own energy, which was definitely a change, but it was good. It helped you play a lot better just knowing that you needed to trust within and just bring your own energy yourselves. Mackenzie Tuddy joining us. She's a senior at Butte High School. She's our Mattress Firm Student of the Week. And Mackenzie, you also have been doing quite a bit with Special Olympics there in the Butte area. I know you did some refereeing for some basketball, but you've also been participating in a bunch of other sports with those kids, huh? Yeah, it's fun. I enjoy being with them and all the kids that are participating in those events. They love to see you there. They just really love interacting with you and just given the opportunity to be around all these other kids. It's truly something special, and I enjoy being a part of it. What's the funniest part about it? Because sometimes those those guys are so funny. They're so exuberant and energetic about life. So do you get some good laughs, laughing alongside them? Oh, yeah, you definitely do, especially if they hit, like, a big three-pointer in the middle of a game. They go nuts. They love it. The excitement's unreal. Like a strike in bowling. They go crazy. It's awesome. Is that your favorite part then, is just engaging with the people? Yeah, it's cool, and being able to build relationships with them. They think like you're their best friend, and it's awesome being able to be a part of their life like that. Mackenzie, you're a senior now, and we're coming up, getting there to the halfway point of this thing a little bit. Do you have plans for your future after you graduate from Butte? I'm not sure yet. I've applied at some in-school colleges and stuff but i'm gonna start getting into talking with coaches with some volleyball stuff and see if i want to end up doing that kind of have an open mind right now we'll see if you could call your shot right now anywhere any any place doing anything what would you want to do um i don't really if i don't end up playing volleyball i'd probably end up in missoula at the university there and then end up going to law school there but if not Anywhere I really get an opportunity to play volleyball, that seems like a good academic fit for me. I'll probably end up. What uh, What is it about law that that kind of catches your attention? I don't know. I've always kind of just had this little interest in it, and it's always like been in the back of my mind before I even knew like what I wanted to do. And this year, I've just started thinking about it some more, and I'm just really intrigued into stuff like that. And been involved with some kind of stuff like throughout that the past couple of years and I don't know it just seems like something I'd enjoy to do 
Well, Mackenzie, that's fantastic. We really appreciate you taking the time out and joining us. Best of luck the rest of the senior year. Enjoy it there at Butte and, uh, and look forward to seeing where you end up after that, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Mackenzie Tutty, senior, Butte High School. Great to be with her. If you have a student that you would like to nominate for the Mattress Firm Student of the Week, well, it's very simple. You go to mattressfirmmt.com. You click on the Students tab there, and you can nominate a student. Every single week we'll have a student for you, either, uh, uh, first of all, on SWX Montana Television. They They will do a nice feature on the kids, and then they will come in here and do an interview just like McKinsey just did with us as well. So, again, go to mattressfirmmt.com. The end of this uh, school year in the spring, Match Firm will donate $3,000 to the student of the year, whoever that may be. So very, very impressive. Quick break. On the other side, we do our Garden City Spotlight. Dane Oliver, the head coach of the Sentinel Spartans, joining us. Sentinel kicking it off against Great Falls, starting their postseason tonight in Missoula. We'll talk with the head coach of the number one team in the state next. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 